Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Seven Podcast. Today we have an exciting episode. Today we're going to be on the topic of cults and kind of looking also at kind of the structure of the church and kind of seeing are are they similar, are they different, and we're just going to kind of talk about all things cults. Uh, so joining me today on this conversation is my co-host Micah Current. Micah, how are you, and have you ever been part of a cult before? Maybe the cult of personality. Oh, good old living color. I, I actually have that uh, have that album on vinyl. It's one of the probably I think the second record I bought was in living color, um, and it very op- for title track and that whole album slaps. I love the entire album. Um, but Mine yeah, was more in reference to CM Punk, but yeah, CM fun. Punk, but yeah, wonderful. But I'm doing well. I'm doing good, well. good, 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 good. Yeah. So uh, before we begin in our topic, stories gone wild. And Micah, have you? Uh, I don't know if this would if if I'm going to get in hot water saying this because uh, this may be a cult, this may not. But did you see the flat Earth the footage from the flat Earth debate with uh, Greg Locke at his church a couple weeks? Back? I did. I did. You sent me. I think you sent me a video on TikTok about it. That guy. Wow. Wow. Like I mean, even during even during COVID, like I and and you know we could have conversations all day long about masking and vaccines and everything like that. But like he was very outspoken during COVID about just a number of different issues. And um, wow, that video that you sent me a couple of weeks ago. Well, I mean, first of all, why are we even having a debate about flat Earth anyway at a church? Yep, church. I'll do that. Um, well, he kicked the guy out. He did. He had the guy escorted out of his church, and he wasn't even doing nothing wrong. And and funny, and the funny thing is, is they're having a conversation, and it's like, at least from I kind of like try to dive into more because the video's been taken down. So if you try to find that the entire footage or that service, it's completely gone. But well, I like tried if you to or find. I some... got into an argument on this podcast. I wouldn't just hang up the call and leave, or like you wouldn't just kick me off the. The call, maybe you like, would. I don't like, know. You're fired. Get out of here. <laughs> like, gosh, dang. But, but no. But even that, like, I was looking. It's funny because, like, a lot of times, um, Greg would make like comments, and he would he would just say, "Oh yeah, it says this in the Bible. It says this in the Bible." Where the other guy, who's like for who was like pro flat Earth, is actually saying, "Okay, we're going to read this passage," and he's like opening up the Bible and he's reading specific path passages in the Bible to prove his point about you know the earth being flat and that's kind of where the conversation when it got thing where he says he goes you know what just get out get out and so the guy like respectfully like you know started packing up his stuff and Greg's still like getting into him and he even made to say I've used more scripture I use more scripture references to prove my point than you did which I'm like that that's kind of a thing but yeah it's but, well, and oh even if gosh. even if you didn't agree with the guy, you, you shouldn't kick him out of your church. But then I thought, but I thought it was very funny. If you, and if you haven't seen the video, I'm sure you could find like Greg Locke flat Earth debate, and you could see the clips of some clips of it anywhere. But there's this point, it's like, okay, you know what? Let's not let's not let's go ahead and worship God. Let's not have these silly debates. It's like, dude. You're the one who started to have the debate. You're the one who were was promoting this. You're the one who said, hey, I'm going to have a debate with this flat earther, and that was going to be your service on Sunday. You're the one who 
start you're the one who kind of led to this thing happening and you're the one who's now saying uh we're not gonna have a silly debate let's worship the real god the real god of the of the round earth or whatever so i don't know but it's that's wild like anytime when i see stuff like that it just blows my mind but i think the thing that probably blows my mind more is that there's still people who will continue to follow people like that and you know sacrifice for that and i think that is absolutely insane yeah he's uh wow and, and even I, I go ahead oh, I, i've just but, seen some videos yeah. of him like before that happened and i was like man he is very well, opinionated and even when i first like even like i never i never heard about that craig greg Locke until like i moved to virginia and maybe yeah. because he's like in Tennessee or Kentucky or whatever. But then, I mean, I, there'd be church people who would post. Uh, he used to do like these things where he'd have his phone in his car and he would just like do like a, a selfie video and he would just kind of do a devotional thing. And, you know, people would like say, oh, I liked and they would share it on Facebook. And, you know, that's and it was almost like. Not necessarily that I would agree with most of the stuff, but he seemed like a pretty normal guy whether i agreed with his theology or agreed with his devotional thought or not but now it seemed like ever since the pandemic and and all that it's almost like he went full-blown <laughs> he went full-blown wild on me and, and i'm like oh my gosh like this is absolutely insane so i don't know i mean so that like, man is a story's gone wild in itself oh geez you know he's probably gonna who knows? Maybe when this episode drops that Sunday, he's going to be like, "There's these two guys, this uh, Scott Stubbin podcast. Like, they're heretics. They're 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 demon worshippers. Don't listen to them." We'll get more listeners as a result. Oh yeah, isn't that ain't that the truth? All right, but Micah, story's gone wild. You got one for us? Yeah, maybe maybe he maybe we can get him to come on on your show, and then he'll probably Oops. get mad and just hang up the Zoom call. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I, I I do have a story that's gone wild. I just think it's funny. He's a, he's an interesting cat. Let me just say that of stuff yeah. that I've seen of him online. Um, so today we're going to be talking about church cults, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if I shared this story or not. Um, I don't think I have, but like I think I was eighteen, you know, seventeen, eighteen years old, and I was you know leading worship at churches and playing at churches, and I was in a rock and roll band, and we traveled and we played music and. So Joe uh, was our guitar player, and uh, he, his dad was a pastor at the Methodist Church in town, and then my dad was a pastor in town at the Church of God. And Joe and I were in a band together. And any time there was some sort of like, um, you know, community worship events or community church service or whatever we always got asked to play at different things and like it wasn't like we were leading worship or anything but like we were asked to to play and you know be a part of the band so um i remember this one time i was playing uh drums for this event joe and i got the, got asked to play and joe and i grew up in you know fairly conservative small town churches not a lot of speaking in tongues not a lot of pentecostal background you know things like that very conservative church small town church. So Joe and I go to this park and the service is like in a gazebo kind of thing, or like, you know, like a shelter where they have picnic tables and, you know, all that stuff within a park. And so we, 
we get there. I take my drums. I'm playing drums for this. And, you know, I'm playing drums. Joe's playing guitar. And we have like a keyboard player and a couple of singers and all this stuff. And so we play. The worship set's really good. And this woman who was supposed to be the keynote speaker gets up and she starts talking. And all of a sudden it's, it's, it's full blown speaking in tongues thing. Oh, fun. And so like, I had never really been exposed to that kind of thing before. And granted I was 17, 18 years old and there were people like just standing up and speaking in tongues and flopping on the ground and, like it kind of reminded me of a cult, which we're going to talk about today. And, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm looking at Joe and Joe's looking at me and it's like, what do we do? Like our gears up there. We can't just go up to the front of the church or the, you know, the, the, the shelter and just grab my drum set and <laughs> throw it in the car while she's speaking in tongues and all these people are flopping all over the place. Uh, so Joe and I are kind of just sitting there and we're like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> So eventually, and this service goes on forever, right? You know how Pentecostal stuff can go. Yeah. And so um, I kind of just like excuse myself to go like find a bathroom, you know, like a bathroom within the park or something. And Joe and I kind of like get away from the situation. And then eventually the service is over and they came up to me and they're like, man, you just did such a great job. It was like they turned their light switch on and off as far as the, you know, the speaking, you know, in tongues and being super Pentecostal. And, you know, I was raised that in you know, the church of God believes that, you know, if you speak in tongues, tongues is a thing. However, you needed somebody there to interpret what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you, you say something in tongues, you know, the Lord is with you. You have to translate that, uh, yeah. you know, that speaking in tongues. So, um, and that wasn't happening and that wasn't the case. So ah. that, that was my story has gone wild. It was kind of like a cult. So my goodness, nothing. man. Not the cult of personality, just the cult. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Yowie, owie. What was the thing that uh, Bray White always said? Yowie, wowie. Yowie, wowie. <laughs> Rest in peace to, to Wyndham Rotunda. Um, but man, yeah, so today we're going to talk about cults. And, you know, it's been interesting because even when I was, um, I think kind of my fascination with cults had probably started Back when I was in um, high school, I remember sitting in youth group and our youth leader at the time was having a conversation on cults and and kind of the definition, their definition of a cult was somebody who, somebody who doesn't, a, a, a group of people who recognize that, who have a different teaching that either Jesus isn't God or they believe Jesus is God, but they believe that there are different ways to get into heaven be, other than, you know, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So in their mind, you know, the Latter-day Saints is a cult. Uh, the Masons are a cult. Um, the Seventh-day Adventist is a cult. And then, of course, you know, the Moonies and a lot of these other, you know. What's the uh, what's the Baptist? Uh not the Baptist, not not like SBC or whatever, or First Baptist or American Baptist, but what's the the group of Baptist people that were like traveling around the country and they were like very con- confrontational? Do you know what I'm oh, talking about? Oh, uh, uh, Westboro, Westboro Baptist. Yes. Oh yes. my goodness, yeah. those folks. Wow. Them and them and uh, 
Mr. Locke, they could, uh, they could. Wow. <laughs> I remember being in college and seeing videos of the Westboro Baptist people and like they were just wow. Yowie wowie. Yowie wowie. So, <laughs> but yeah, oh my gosh. So, you know, that was fascinating to me. And then it was. Would you consider the, you know, them a cult? Westboro Baptists? Yes. Kind see, of. That's gonna, see, that's going to be the hard. That's going to be the hard part to. And 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 I'll and I'll kind of go because, um, I'll, after I talk about kind of like the characteristics of a cult or what are like the main things that makes a cult a cult, like I guess I'll let you be the judge of that. But um, because there's a lot of that goes involved in there, and, and I don't know if I would consider West Baptist Borough. I just consider them a crazy religion. I wouldn't necessarily call them a cult. Um, and, and and there's some factors why I would say that. Um, but even when I was at Anderson uh, for college and I was uh, with Dr. Stregging, we would learn about American religious history. And occasionally you talk about different cults and different uh, religious groups that would come. So, you know, I learned about the Oneida community and some of these other people. Then probably about seven years ago, I was listening to a podcast that was put out by the, uh, podcast network called cults and each cult they highlighted was a two-part episode the first part was here's kind of the origins of the cart who's like the 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 founder of the cult here's kind of what they did and here's kind of what happened to them if they're still active or if they all kind of dissolved and kind of what happened and then the second episode is like well who are the people who joined these cults and they kind of talk a little bit about some of these people. Sometimes they would have interviews with them. And it was it was always interesting to um to listen to this call and then just read these this podcast. And just recently there's just been a lot of um a lot of like documentaries or docuseries out. Like I know uh I watched a couple of weeks ago the Escaping Twin Flames documentary on Netflix which I would classify that as a cult, even though they're like, well, is this a cult? And they kind of talk a little bit about it. But and then I now have one episode left of the uh, Love Has Won, the uh, Mother God cult that's on HBO Max. I have one episode to watch, but even that um, is a bit wild. Uh, so, so to answer your question, Mike, about Westboro Baptist, so what are the characteristics of a cult? Well, the first thing is you have to have like a immense charismatic leader. That's the first thing. If you have a leader that's very charismatic, that's able to draw people to themselves, then that's kind of a good, um, a good factor that they have a cult. Uh, the other thing is they don't allow for criticism. Like anybody who tries to question the leader or the leadership um, you know, it's like you do not criticize. If you do, then you know there's usually some punishment or there's some type of things. There's it's almost like you know there's obedience, like forced obedience on behalf of the people who would join this group. Uh, which again goes to de they demand absolute loyalty. So you must be completely loyal to this group. Uh, other times, another factor is sometimes they try to uh, disconnect you from your family. So. If you're at a cult, sometimes they may say, hey, you know, your family's holding you back from experiencing your true potential, your true enlightenment. So you need to kind of not be talking to your family anymore. Um, 
So that's another so that's another characteristic of a cult. And then the last thing that and this is what I learned from the podcast thing is that a cult leader will have rigorous rules that people have to follow that they'll demand for their followers to follow, but the leader themselves or themselves if there's more than one leader won't follow that same criteria. So for an example, um, a cult leader may say, hey, you know, this cult is a a church, it's a cult that practice abstinence, because when we are being abs- when we abstain from sex or drinking or drugs, then that's when we're going to have this enlightened connection with God. Where then behind closed doors, the leaders doing drugs, the leaders smoking cigarettes, the leaders having sex, and yet they're telling their followers, no, you shouldn't do those things. So those are kind of the the characteristics of a cult. Now, going back to, is Westboro Baptist a cult? Well, I don't know because I think the founder of it was not very a charismatic person, but they were someone who people would follow. Plus, they're a very small church. Well, um, they I looked at it while you were talking, and yeah. like, I mean, I think that they could be considered that. I mean, like, they're not huge, like you said, but they're small church. Yeah. And, you know, they, and the reason I kind of say that is, you know, one, uh, just reading, they did a documentary on them in 2007. Yeah, I saw and, that documentary. <laughs> yeah, I've already okay. watched it already. <laughs> so, but like, they, they said that, like, you know, maybe there was 70, 75 people in that, and the majority of them were all from the same family. But mm-hmm. part of part of the reason I could would or could consider them a cult is that, like, when a family member was like, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore, and I'm not going to believe this, they basically excommunicated them from the family yeah. and excommunicated them from the church. And so when I pull up their, uh, their website, which is still a thing, um, one of their church signs <laughs> – no, so no. bad. It says no, Westboro no. Baptist Church of World's AIDS Day. God sent AIDS for your destruction. Deuteronomy twenty eight sixty one. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but if anybody knows anything about the Westboro Baptist Church, they are very anti homosexuality. Anti, you know they they built their platform on God hates gay people. I think is well, and, and right. And the other is that, that... is that true. That's true. The other thing that they, in watching the documentary, the other thing is they do, they're very much pacifist. So even America, there have been times where they have protested, like soldiers who have died in battle, they have protested um, funerals of soldiers, and they even would have signs like "Thank God for dead soldiers" wow. outside the funeral of a American who had lost their lives due to wartime or even times of peace like maybe they're over there trying to protect the peace or kind of police a very hot a hot spot in the society and they end up dying and then they protest why their family's born and lost their loved one there's a westboro baptist church with a sign thank god for dead soldiers god loves a dead soldier this sign says god sent the coronavirus in fury deuteronomy 28 58 through 61 Oh my gosh! So, I mean, oh. so, so for so for an example, I don't know if I could consider that a cult because, again, like that person said, you know, this is crazy. I'm going to leave. They left. They're excommunicated, but they were able to leave. Like a lot of times with cults, they're not like, able to get out. 
you're not able, I mean, you're not able to get out or sometimes because of the manipulation or like, for an example, like with the Twin Flames documentary, there are some people who gave up their jobs to work with this, with these two people. So their livelihood, their finances, everything was tied up into this group. So when you left, you basically are starting back from having absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part because it's not necessarily control. Like if you leave, we're going to kill you. Or if you leave, we're going to destroy you or we're going to kill your family. I mean, there's some cults that I listened to where they did that. Like if you even attempted to leave, like you were done. But um, for the most part, your livelihood is so tied up in this group that the moment you leave, like you don't know who you are anymore. And that's the interesting thing about Twin Flames is that towards the end, the last thing they're going to do is because even though it's an online community, it's an online cult, so everybody they do all their chat through Facebook and YouTube, um, and, and they have that community. But the moment – but now they're kind of thinking, hey, we're going to start building houses or get trailers on our property in Michigan, and we're going to have everybody who's part of this um, Twin Flames-like group we're going to have you move out so that we can be close to us. So right there, they're going to start building a commune, which that's another yeah. sign because now you have your own community and you're kind of separating yourselves from the rest of the world and even separating yourselves from your family. Um, so, so the reason why I brought this up, because, you know, we, we've been thinking about, you know, I mean, we mentioned Greg Locke, which, you know, we're probably going to get hot water for that, but, you know, the idea of, you know, would you consider like Greg Locke or like even some type of very charismatic individual within the church? Would you consider them a cult leader? Mm. And I think when you think about some of the characteristics, charismatic, doesn't take criticism well, demands complete obedience, right? And then if they do leave, you know, Either they make it very difficult for you to leave because, again, especially I think within churches, like, you know, if you leave, they're telling everyone else, well, you can't talk to them, you can't contact them. So if you have a good friends or support system from that church and then you leave, then you just lost your support system. And sometimes maybe there's that pressure. Well, even though I feel like this is an unhealthy place for me, I'm going to stay because my livelihood's tied up into the church. And, you know, I mentioned Greg Locke, but we can even look at like the Mark Driscoll, especially with the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Yeah. I was going like, to, I was going to say that too. You know, you can look at that. You could look at the, um, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily would say Bill Hybels, but you know, that was kind of a thing too, where, so I think, and I think that's why it's kind of hard when you try to, and I think I can see why there are some people who may say, Oh, well, the, ch the church or Christianity is just a big cult. Where I've had people say that argument, and a lot of times I push back on it, and I say, well, not necessarily because anybody could always leave a church. Like, if you want to leave a church, like, I could, like, I mean, you know, for me, like, if I wasn't on staff, and I was at a church, and I decided, hey, you know, this isn't meeting my needs, or I feel like I need to leave, I could leave the church and go to a different church. And I wouldn't feel like that my livelihood was depend on the church that I'm worshiping at now. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel like that, oh, I can't leave because if I do, 
you know, my whole family's going to fall apart or we're going to be living in poverty or anything like that. Like I would never, ever think that, but so I can see where there's that. So I think that's like one of the big characteristics that kind of divides a cult from like maybe a toxic church environment. But I do see, but, but some of the other characteristics of a cult or a cult leader, you could easily make a case. You could easily make a case that, yeah, they, they kind of hit on some of these, some of these vibes. So I don't know, Mike. Well, me, me saying all this, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Well, I think in respect to the church, you know, we kind of hit it in the episode that we did on, um, what was it? What was the last episode we did? The, oh, the topic last of the episode last episode we did about church ghosting. Yeah, church ghosting. I, we talked a little bit about in the church ghosting episode, but like, I think that, you know, we can get wrapped up as people, lay people, volunteers, elders, staff, etc. So much in the church's brand and the identity and the pastor and their vision that we forget about God in that mm. equation. And that, that is one of the, that's a big red flag for me, right? That's, that's a concerning piece to me. And, um, you know, it, when we forget about God and we forget about the Holy Spirit and we forget about our relationship with Jesus, that becomes an issue, right? When it becomes more about the brand, more about the church and growing the church and like, yes, yeah, growing you know, healthy churches is important, but when you forget about the Holy Spirit and forget about God and forget about Jesus and forget about the Trinity of those three influencing what you're doing as a church and why, I think that you're going to have big problems and you're not long for being a church, if that makes well, sense. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point because even with, um, goodness, even with that, whole aspect of church life you know maybe you do have a, a church where the pastor is very charismatic and maybe demands obedience and maybe doesn't take criticism well and you know maybe does enforce certain rules on certain individuals like hey you shouldn't be you shouldn't be men you shouldn't be cheating on your wives and yet this person's cheating on their wife and yet but yet you can look at, well, hey, this church is booming. It's growing. We went from a church of 300 to 1,000. So in some ways, yeah, this guy's kind of a, a douche. But look at what God's doing at this church. Look how God's right. growing this church like wildfire. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, I don't necessarily think this is God. And I think that's the other thing too. And I think I know, especially where you have to kind of be careful. And I think this is where, you know, one of the big things about the church of God ministries that I'm always, um, where I'm always in a hundred percent agreement when it comes to the Holy spirit is, you know, there has to be some balance or there has to be at least a checks and balance when it comes to the ministry of the Holy spirit, you know, whether it's like, you know, so the whole thing is speaking in tongues, like, 
Or if you have a pastor saying, hey, I had a vision or I had a dream that God was going to do this or we need to do that. And I think sometimes that can be a red flag, too, if there's no checks and balances. And, and, I'll, and I'll speak a little bit on that further is that, you know, occasionally there's times where I will have vision and dreams about things, about the ministry that I'm doing at a church or some things that will kind of excite me about ministry. And a lot of times when I have those dreams that I believe that maybe God's trying to communicate something to me. You know what I don't do? I don't go and start telling my entire church, hey, God gave me a dream and here's the dream. First thing I do is I go, okay, I need to write this down and I need to pray about it. I need to do some check and balances. I need to go and talk to some trusted ministry, other pastors about this dream or vision I had talk to my elder board, like before I even say anything to the church about any visions or dreams that I have, I specifically always have to check with other people just to make sure I'm not crazy or to make sure, do you think that this may be something that is good, something that is spiritual, something that God may be trying to communicate to me or, or communicate to me to communicate to my church. And so for me, I don't take things like, dreams and visions lightly when i have them i want to make sure that i'm doing my due diligence to make sure is this from god or is this a distraction is this going to do good to kind of elicit excitement and passion and devotion to people to follow god not to follow me but to follow god and say hey god's going to be doing something great through this church and here's what i'm seeing here's what i feel like god is saying so these are the things that i think that we need to do to really allow God not only to bless this church that we're in, but to see how God could bless the community that we're in through the ministries that we're doing here at church. And I think that's a lot different than me going up there and saying, hey, church, during a sermon, you know, I had a dream that God said that uh, we need to, that in order for our church to grow, you have to buy, we have to buy a $60,000 jet so that I could fly across the world to preach the gospel, or we can fly, or I could take a group of church people and fly anywhere in the world to be able to do ministry, to minister to people who don't know Jesus in third world countries like that. I think that's where things get a little bit like, are you, are you sure about that? Like, I don't think that's, uh, that's not really how it works. At least for me personally, I don't think that's how it works where I could just immediately just say hey i had a vision or i had a dream and this is what we're going to do because god said we have to do it like i usually try to check with other people before i even say anything about any dreams or visions or oracles from messages from god that i'm having during my personal devotion and meditation time does that make sense micah it does and i think another you know another word for that for 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 the listeners is vision casting and you know as lead pastors, like, you know, when you go off and have your time, whether it's a retreat, sabbatical, whatever it is, and, you know, really get into God's word and you know, your prayer closet, so to speak, and, and figure out what, you know, God is going to have you do in the next season of your ministry or whatever church you're at. Um, you don't want to just come back and be like, well, God gave me this and we're going to do it. You know, you want to really, you know, get, you know, a group of trusted individuals, like you're saying talk through that and make sure that, you know, it's clear um, what you're thinking and what you're praying through. 
right? And get those folks mm-hmm. to, to be with you in prayer and walk alongside you and, and know that they're not going to just think you're crazy for thinking this, but also will keep you in check if you're not, if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't, you know, if they don't think it's something that's worth seeking, right? Um, you know, a great example is like, you know, Scott, you and I are praying about something. Scott, you have this great idea. You pray about it. You feel like God's giving it to you, but I pray about it and I don't feel real peace about it. And here's why. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, and then we talk about that. Right. And then maybe we bring a third person in and a fourth person and, you know, really just walk through that together instead of just, like you said, get up on Sunday and said, you know, we're, we're buying the building next door. I don't care that it costs $2 million and that's going to be our recreational center for the church. Mm -hmm. You just put the church in, debt for $2 million, <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if, if that's something that you were to go to do. Um, but circling back kind of like to the cold conversation, like it, it, that, that's where I think a lot of, uh, of churches get in trouble because like you said, you know, if they're, you know, pastors who get these big, you know, dreams or, you know, wild hairs about things and, we're just going to spend all of our money and deplete all of our, you know, savings for no good reason. That's not going to end well. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Right. And, yeah. Um, and, yeah. Go ahead. and no, and, and the other, and the other interesting thing that I always find fascinating that has to do with, you know, the forming of cults is usually a cult will form when there has been some type of like tragedy, or some type mm-hmm. of so I mean you think about it there was a big rise in cults groups like in the 60s in the mid 60s well you know you had Vietnam you had the JFK assassination there's a lot of stuff happening and then actually it's been interesting because even at the end of the Twin Flames documentary they even talked about that since the pandemic there has been an increase in just like these online communities like these online cult communities and I believe they said that around the world there's at least 10,000 active cults. Mm. And, it could, and especially with the online presence, especially after COVID-19, there has been an increase in other of these kind of like these subcults or these subgroups where, and I think a lot of times, you know, if people are struggling, you know, if they're struggling with something, if they're struggling with a lot of things with their health or they're struggling with relationships or maybe they're just kind of at this place where they just feel like, I don't know what my purpose is. And all of a sudden they kind of do. And that's how a lot of people found some of these cults. They do a Google search about something and they find this page and they start reading about it and said, Hey, I think this is something that could help me. Or this is something that could be a beneficial to benefit to me. And you go and you start talking to people. And then next thing you know, you get sucked in and again. These aren't like crazy people that get sucked into these cults. A lot of time, these people who buy into these cults are very highly educated people. Yeah. And yet, you know, sometimes what, I'll. It's yeah. Go ahead, Micah. I was gonna say, well, what are your what are your thoughts on, you know, not necessarily. I'm not necessarily saying these are cults, but what about in respect to mega churches and and the culture within mega churches? this is the way that we do things and why versus, you know, what's considered a cult and what's not like, cause you have mega churches that are huge and like, you know, you walk in and, and, you know, 
you don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, shout out any church in particular, but like you walk into a church and let's just say it's a mega church, mega church A, you walk in and their brand is this and you know what their mission statement is. And I'm not saying they're cults by any means, but if you don't do it the way they want you to do it, then you're not a part of it. Right. And so it's, it's almost like a cult without being a cult in a sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, I think with the mega churches, I think there's a couple of things like first, I think, you know, I think that's always the big defining line, you know, you have a cult and then you have culture. Yes. And, you know, you could have a certain culture that might hit on certain things that might be a cult, but it doesn't fit that category, whether that's a psychological category, a sociological category, or even if you go to like the FBI's website and you go, what are your definitions? What's the FBI's definition of cult? And they can say, here's the things we look for to classify something as a registered cult or not, you know, that they may be watching or seeing what's happening. Um, so I think in some ways that's kind of a, um, a big thing. And I think that's kind of, um, so yeah, I think that's very hard to decipher. I think in some ways, if I'm attending a mega church and you know, they may have a culture that may seem a little cultish because they have a certain way of doing things, but at the same time, I can leave whenever I want. I don't feel like that my livelihood or my sense of well-being is tied up into the church or anything else like that. But that may be from a parishioner side, but maybe you're on staff at a mega church and maybe the executive or the, the teaching pastor or the lead pastor has very high narcissistic narcissistic tendencies to the point where they are really um, pushing your workers, overworking them, and to the point where basically your livelihood, hey, we're paying you a six-figure salary to do this job, and the moment you leave, uh, we're not going to give you severance. You're gone immediately. Um, you know, NDA. You have to sign an NDA and a cease and desist, and you know you have to sign all these this these legal documents. So basically, it's almost like well, it may not necessarily. Be, and I think that's where it kind of gets borderline because sometimes it's like well, if that's being forced on me, that hey, I have to I have to conform to this culture because if I don't my livelihood and my livelihood of my family's at stake versus you know i do know that you know if i do decide to leave the church that i'm pastoring at i do know that i'm not going to get a paycheck i do know that any benefits that i get will be gone and that i may get a little bit of a severance but you know it's not like i'm getting a six month severance i'm probably only getting like a 30 or 60 day severance which you know that's usually just kind of how it is. And on top of that, you know, you know, the church is, has been very gracious in providing a home for my family to live in. So that also means that we have to find another place to live. Now, on that aspect, I don't see that as being controlling or cultish. That's just kind of the agreement. 
if I'm living here, if I'm if I'm working here, here's the benefits that I have. And if I decide to leave, and again, if I decide to leave, if I make that decision, then that's kind of the thing versus, okay, now that you're here, now that you're here, you got to do this, you got to do this, and you got to do all this stuff at the highest quality of excellence. And if you don't do that, then, then you know, we're going to make you feel guilty and not necessarily fire me, but we're going to make, hey, you know, the church is really doing all this stuff for you and your family. And you're not doing what we need you to do. So you need to straighten up and, and you know, and they make you feel guilty and they kind of manipulate and, and make you feel like a piece of garbage every single day. Like then I think in some ways that could be a toxic culture. And, you know, maybe that could be part of that cultish culture that we see. So, I mean, I think that's why, again, it goes back to my earlier point. I think that's why it's hard to classify a church as a cult because they may not classify as it. Now, I think if the leader says, hey, I'm Jesus or I'm Jesus Christ, then, yeah, you're, you're a cult easily you know because you're now claiming yourself to be or if you're saying hey i'm up there deal i'm up there like intermingling with the father son and holy spirit so you're like the fourth member of the trinity or now it's called the quantity like then that's something where i'm like okay like this is a little weird i think this is a cult so i don't know man it's i think it's i think it's hard but i think it's i think it's hard but i also think that you know as churches on a leadership side, you have to kind of be careful how the culture you create within your churches. Because if it's a Christian-like culture, if it's a culture that is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then obviously we're going to see love. We're going to see, um, we're going to see humility. And I think that's kind of the big thing. Like, like if I ever made a mistake and someone called me out on it, I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to, and even if I still think I'm right or wrong, at least I'm going to give them respect. And I'm never going to say, well, this is the way I do it. And if you don't like it, you can leave. Like that's, that's not a good culture within a church per se. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of the big thing is as far as church leaders, you have to really assess the culture you're in, not only culture with your staff, but also the culture with your congregation. And if it's, kind of in that way where it's like, ooh, this is kind of getting a little cultish in some ways, then you may, might need to shift your culture a little bit. So, you know, I say all that to say that, you know, I think there are certain things that are claiming to be a cult. A cult and I think one of the big red flags is, um, you know, separation in, you know, not making contact with anybody. But I think why churches are never considered a cult is because people can leave the church at any time. And, you know, it's not like their their lives are in jeopardy if they leave, you know. But, you know, that's just kind of my 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 two cents. Well, I think as scripture says, guard your heart. Mm -hmm. Above all else, guard your heart. And I think that if you go to a place and you don't feel like it's a good fit, and you, you know, you're feeling like it's on the cultish kind of, you know, spectrum of things. Like I would, would seriously, I, and I say that about going to all churches, right. Or going to all kind of things. If you don't feel good about stuff, like there's been, and it's not even necessarily churches. We could, we could talk about, uh, family outings or things that you've been invited to, like whether it's, you know, a family friend, you go to this event or you go to a party or you go to, um, you know, something in a community and it just doesn't feel right. 
you can just walk away. You can always walk away. Um, but yeah, above all else, guard your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So friends, um, that's going to be it for us. So thank you so much for listening. And, you know, what are your experiences? You know, maybe you're somebody who's in a church or maybe you're thinking, you know, I really don't know what to do. I'm kind of, I'm stuck, you know, feel free to send us a message, a private message. You can do that on the website, vscottstebbin.com. You can send us a message and we can kind of figure out maybe you're kind of in the same boat. Maybe you struggle between, you know, what's a cult and what's toxic culture, especially within the church. And maybe, maybe some of you, maybe you are, you escaped a cult and you're like, Hey, I was part of this like random online cult and I want to tell you all about it. And, you know, we would love to hear your comments on any of our episodes. And again, if you enjoy this episode, please feel free to give us a five-star rating or a one-star rating. If you really hate us, uh, any, any rating, any rating, rating you want to give us, we will take um, because that helps people know what to expect from the Scott Simmons podcast. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and, uh, We'll be back on soon with another episode. Take care.